and its health and naturally with Dennis Stewart. We're going to talk about turmeric, but we're also happy to take your calls. And 49216216 is the number to get your question through to Dennis Stewart today. Uh, but your health naturally. Now, we've uh, already got a caller, and that's Mary, who's rung in from Swansea Heads, and it all starts off with aching teeth, Mary. Yes, that's right. Hello, Mary. Hello. Tell me about your aching teeth, Mary. Every single tooth in my mouth is aching. Yes. And so much so I have to have Panadol and I get really tired and have to sleep, uh, okay. which doesn't, I can't get much done. Hmm. And I, I've just tried everything. I thought it was uh, gingivitis, uh, mm-hmm. but the doctor said there's no sign of anything there. And I just don't know what it is, whether I'm grinding my teeth, but something's causing this pain and I don't know how to fix it. Mary, how long have you been suffering from this? Oh, about two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. Yes. Have you seen your dentist? No, I have got an appointment on the 10th of March, so I'm just trying to survive till then. Look, I think anything that I were to say about this would be fairly superficial. Yes. We we do know that uh, in toothache conditions, uh, the preparation oil of cloves has been popularly used, but that is more to do with an episode of toothache, not something that you seem to have, which yes. is a continual aching of all your teeth. That's right, So yes. that's something that intrigues me. And look, um, the procedure that you have in motion, seeing the dentist is, a, is an excellent starting point. The other thing that comes into my mind is that um, there's a condition called trigeminal neuralgia, uh, sometimes known as tic toleru. Now, it can, uh, it can be an excruciating uh, facial uh, neuralgia, but sometimes may implicate the teeth. Um, oh, okay. You, yep. could, you should perhaps uh, mention that to your GP. He's better qualified to make an assessment on that than I am, certainly over the phone. But trigeminal neuralgia is a, a nasty, aching facial condition um, that is difficult to treat, but there are ways of addressing it. So, two things to start off with without making any treatment recommendations. Perhaps you need to have a word with your GP about uh, having a, a diagnosis along the lines of trigeminal neuralgia, and yep. there, there may be a medication um, that could pres- be prescribed to actually deal with the neurologic condition, yep. uh, and he would know what I'm talking about there. And secondly, pursue the pathway with your dentist. Yes. And, and thirdly, if all comes up as a blank, uh, your doctor will probably initiate a complete blood test to see if there is, in fact, any viral activity that could explain what you're going through. Right, okay. Do that, right. do that, and I'd be interested in your getting back to us um, just to see how you, how you got on. Yes, it's, uh, it seems to be starting to ease a bit, but um, okay. I'm not quite sure why. But well, that's I, interesting. I, that's interesting because... But I've it, just it, been using it, a lot of um, you know, different types of mouthwash. Yes. Trying to, um, yeah. Well, it, see, if it is... Your doctor has ruled out uh, gingivitis. Yes. Um, if it were something like that or if there was any sort of pathology there, um, a preparation known as tincture of myrrh, yes. M-Y-R-R-H, is a very, very well-known um, preparation used as a mouthwash to address any pathological condition associated with things like gingivitis. Now, some pharmacists with uh, with dispensaries, uh, compounding pharmacists or yeah. older yeah. pharmacists may stock a tincture of myrrh, which yeah. is which is well defined 
in the British herbal pharmacopoeia and elsewhere, it mightn't be a bad idea in the, in the, uh, in the interlude to try some tincture of myrrh as a mouthwash. Talk it over with your pharmacist. It's a very safe preparation. Yes. But uh, that would be something that you might, might try, albeit you should be guided by what your pharmacist and GP say. Heath has rung in with the appropriate to- topic. He's from Swansea, and it's turmeric and kombucha as well, Heath. Yeah, Hello, Heath. How, how can we help you, Heath? Mate, I'm just wondering if I'm wasting my time drinking that kombucha, that ginger and turmeric one. Oh, that's a difficult. That's a difficult one to uh, to answer. Um, were you taking it for any particular reason, Heath? No, I was just taking it just because uh, I've been told, like listening to you, that it's good for your, your guts and things like that. Okay, look, I'm a great fan of of turmeric, and I'll I'll restrict my uh, comments to turmeric. Um, I'm not an expert on kombucha. I've I've read about it. I don't use it. Uh, many people do and vouch for it. But with reference to turmeric, I'm of the opinion, based on my, on my reading, that it is probably one of the most useful and potentially beneficial spices, and that's the way we'd look at it, it's a spice, that one can bring into one's diet. And as, as uh, late as this morning, prior to coming to the station, knowing I was going to touch on turmeric, I reviewed some of the references and literature that I, I constantly look at, and I was impressed again by the information on turmeric from the book that I've mentioned frequently on this program, which I ask listeners to at least jot down because it's one of the most important works you're likely to read. It's a book called Foods to Fight Cancer by two Canadian PhDs. That means they're highly qualified gentlemen who've written this book about a a group of foods which from their scientific and clinical experience have been shown to be very potentially useful for building up prevention against certain cancers. And in this book, there's one of the best sections I've ever read on turmeric. And at the end of the section, the two writers climax uh, their discussion by making the comment that the daily addition of a teaspoon of turmeric to soups, salads or pasta dishes is a simple, rapid and inexpensive way of providing a curcumin intake sufficient to help prevent cancer from developing. Now, they're not saying that it is a treatment for cancer. What they are saying is, and this is one of the reasons why I extol the virtues of turmeric as a regular, virtually daily uh, supplement, uh, is that it has great potential to help the body build up resistance, particularly to certain cancers of the prostate and also particularly the colon, or the large bowel. So when you ask, uh, is it worth your while using turmeric and kombucha, what I would say is that I would see turmeric after reading what I've read and lectured on what I've read, that it is one of the most useful things that we can bring into the diet in simple form. You do not, let me emphasise to you, Heath and others, you do not have to be outlaying an expensive uh, amount of money to purchase turmeric as opposed to curcumin, to purchase turmeric as a spice or a powder from your health food store or even supermarket. It's a very, very inexpensive substance. And the, 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 uh, the idea is to see it being used on a daily basis in conjunction with the synergist, black pepper, as a regular potential prophylactic device to maintain the health, particularly of the large bowel. 
So I would say, yes, it is worth your while using turmeric and possibly kombucha, but use it in simple domestic preparations that are not expensive because, as I've said frequently on this program, my concern is that some of the products now out there in the marketplace are very expensive and beyond the purchasing power of, of many people, particularly pensioners, whereas something like a simple herb, uh, turmeric, is readily available, inexpensive. I would encourage you and all listeners to look into the virtues of using what I consider to be a, a virtually an amazing substance. Does that yeah, well, help? It costs, yeah, it costs about $12 a bottle, yeah, so it's probably cheaper to buy the powder. Well, I, I come back to the point that you don't have to be locked into commercial products. Turmeric is a herb, it's a spice. It can be purchased in its crude form. And I mentioned, I think, uh, uh, last week that I have a, a letter in my drawer back at my rooms at New Lambton from a gentleman that took the time to write to me who was a pensioner and said that by taking a teaspoonful of turmeric with a bit of black pepper a couple of times a day, he had been able to control his, uh, his arthritic condition. And I don't doubt uh, this man what he said. So what am I saying? You do not have to purchase expensive renditions of these herbs, simple preparations, domestically made up, inexpensive. Uh, that's the way to go, particularly if you're going to see this as a supplement to be incorporated regularly into your food, into your diet. Do it that way. You don't have to be shelling out a lot of money. A good question, Heath. Um, we're going to change tack just a little mm. bit now, Dennis. And Peter's rung in on 49216216 from Katara. And your question's about the Epstein-Barr virus. Is that right, Peter? That's correct. Hello, Peter. How are you, Dennis? I'm well indeed. How are you, Peter? Oh, pretty good, except that I suffer from tiredness. And yes. I don't sleep as well as I used to. I'm 75 years of age now. Yes. Yes. I went and had a blood test a couple of weeks back and the blood test came back all clear except for the... Tell, tell me now I've got Epstein-Barr virus. Okay. The Epstein-Barr virus is associated with what we call glandular fever. But your, your doctor probably also told you that you could have had the infection quite some time ago. Or about 60-odd years ago, he told me. That's correct. Now... I'm, I'm going to say something here that's fairly radical and will be perhaps uh, controverted uh, by many mainstream medical practitioners. I hold the view that the Epstein-Barr virus seems to leave behind a tendency, a tendency for further viral infections due to the impact that it has on the immune system. And interestingly... Most chronic fatigue sufferers that I treat, and I treat a lot, usually have a marker in their blood profile that indicates there's been some contact with the Epstein-Barr virus. And this always leads me in the direction of using the preparation that I boringly mentioned on this program, but is, is something that I have great confidence in because it's given good results, particularly in the chronic fatigue aspect associated with that or with this, and that is the Astragalus 8 formula. No patient of mine for the last 30 years who's come to my rooms with the background of Epstein-Barr virus would have gone without receiving some preparation, tablets or liquids, of the Astragalus 8 formula. And I, in fact, have been so impressed with it that I wrote a paper on the association of um, the Astragalus 8 formulation to chronic fatigue, and that paper is available free of charge for my rooms in, in Alma Road, New Lambton. If you haven't used 
if you haven't used um, the uh, Astragalus 8 formula, uh, whip down to your health food store there in, um, in Westfield and, and get hold of it from Vitology. They would have it. I, I do. I've been taking it for five years every day. Well, um, there you go. You'd probably, <laughs> well, it's done something for you, presumably. Well, I take a lot of other things too that I get from down there. And, yes, uh, yes. And I make, you know, you're talking about uh, turmeric and uh, cumin. I take a concoction I make up every morning. Good on you. Um, with, with that in it. Um, so so you're, actually, also, you're actually doing that, as I indicated, using the crude herb? Yeah, I, I'd buy it. Uh, when I go away, I buy it. Um, Costco in Queensland, yes, it's yes. about $6 for about 500 grams. That's what I mean. It's, it's inexpensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mix that with raw honey and black pepper and grated ginger and garlic yeah. and lime juice and well, you would make be, a concoction You'd be very interested to look at a, a, a table in the book that I've referred to, uh, Foods That Fight Cancer, to indicate that in a country like India, where um, curry, which incorporates turmeric, of course, is used almost on a daily basis. The incidence of, of, of cancer, certain cancers, is dramatically below that which Westerners experience. For instance, a cancer that you and I have to be constantly on guard against, that is cancer of the prostate gland, in per 100,000 people in India, per 100,000 men in India, only five of them get prostate cancer. If you look at the US, and hence Australia and other Anglo countries, per 100,000 population of males, 104 males in that 100,000 will experience prostate cancer. Now, that is a huge difference in a table that's credible, that comes from a credible reference, indicating that cultures where uh, this particular spice or herb is used regularly as part of the diet have an incidence of certain serious diseases much, much, much less than what we experience. And if you even were to look, for instance, at the incidence of cancer of the breast amongst Indian women, 19 per 100,000 in India, as opposed to 91 in American countries and in Anglo countries such as Australia. What's the difference? The writers point out in their section on turmeric, the difference is here you have people whose diet regularly incorporates this herb. Now, it's not just this herb, but it's certainly an indicator to say that I'm not going over the top when I say that take on board what's been written, take on board certain population studies. It's a cheap supplement, as you've said, begin to use it. Well done. Don, uh, from Williamtown, you've rung in, and uh, your question, what is it? G'day, Jane, and um, Dennis, how are you going? Hello, John, how are you? I heard you talking to the lady who had the teeth problem, and you keep talking about these people. Yes. Uh, When I was a kid, I can remember on a TV ad, I don't know if it was for Peter Stuyvesant's cigarettes or uh, Dr. Mackenzie's menthols, and they said, recommended by the British farmer Takiya. Who is this and what is it, please? The the British Pharmacopoeia, or the British Pharmaceutical Codex, are what you might refer to as the ongoing textbooks of medicinal substances used in English-speaking countries. Uh, For instance, uh, the British Pharmacopoeia would have um, monographs or information on all of the drugs that are used even in modern medicine today, talking about their chemistry uh, and their, their, their pharmacological effects, 
even some of their indications. So the British Pharmacopoeia is the authority uh, in pharmacy and to a large extent in medicine for defining, interpreting the, uh, the, the way in which medicinal substances, whether they be natural or pharmaceutical, are used and manufactured, particularly in English-speaking countries. And even though uh, we're Australians, the British Pharmacopoeia uh, prevails in Australia and most other uh, countries associated with, with the British heritage. That's a great question too, Don. Thanks very much for that. Uh, clearing all that up, Dennis. And of course, you talk about that quite regularly too, do. don't you? I do. Yes. Uh, returning to your questions, Pahira, um, you've you've got something to say. You've rung in from Qatar. You've got something about turmeric you'd like to say. Uh, uh, yes. Oh, sorry. Hello. Yep. Hello. 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 Yeah, we're here. Yep. Away oh, you go. Good, good. Uh, good afternoon, Dennis. I, I came to your practice uh, a few years ago when my father was sick with lymphoma and a few other things. Yes, but, um, yes. I'd just like to tell the public, mate, mate, the job that you do, you're like a living saint. Oh, um, I, I met one of your students, Daryl, that does bone therapy. Yeah, I know Daryl well, yes. Yeah, and he told me what a, what a challenge that was doing all those things with you. <laughs> oh, yes. And, what, what my yeah, so I've got my turmeric uh, concoction of um, four to one with the, the crushed pepper, and then um, what is it? I use the coconut, a teaspoon yes. of coconut, yes, and then some ginger honey, yes, um, and then I don't dust cinnamon on it because I, I've I've got a very high metabolism. Okay, um, but that's working the treat. I, I got gout when I was thirty. I've inherited. Um, my mum's stuff from yes. her English, yes, yes. Uh, Irish background. Yes. Um, so that's magnificent. I'd just like to tell everyone out there, it's worked for me. I've had it for the last two years, and without it, I don't think I could work. Well, isn't um, that great? That, that's, that's a good testimony uh, to, the, to the herb, and also what listeners need to keep in mind, that uh, turmeric works this way, as this gentleman said, because it, is, uh, it contains chemical constituents, particularly curcumin, which are known as anti-inflammatory agents. So what uh, this gentleman is saying is sound because uh, gouty conditions are, are of an inflammatory nature. So using something like uh, turmeric may in, in some cases be adequate to, to stop the inflammatory tendency from asserting itself and allow people to keep working as we desperately need in this country. Now, good, good I, feedback. Thank you for ringing in. I, I, sorry, I also had lumps in my left testicle. Yes. And after I, I spotted those a few years ago, yes. and they've actually gone. How about that? Well done. And one more question about my psoriasis. Yes. Um, I've had psoriasis most of my life. Yes. Um, I've, I've discovered this um, cream from Ireland, I think they make it. Oh, yes. um, and they've actually taken it off the um, shelves okay. um, a year or so ago, and it's called Physiogel, and um, hypoallergenic calming release lotion for okay. dry and irritated sensitive skin. Okay. Look, it, um, it, it, may, uh, it may have been taken off the shelf because of two reasons. The, the sales of it here in this country might have been adequate uh, to, yeah. uh, to keep it there. And secondly, if therapeutic claims were made for it, uh, uh, which had not been passed by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, it might have been uh, required 
to have been listed or registered with the Therapeutic Goods Association. Uh, but I doubt that because from what you've said, it was seen to be just something that was there for soothing purposes rather than for getting rid of the psoriasis. I tend to think it's more likely to be associated with the fact that as an overseas product, there wasn't a big enough market for it here. Yeah, that's yeah well, a guy recommended it, an, an elderly fellow to my other friend that has suffered from psoriasis yes. all his life, and, yes. and we've both used it. I've had it for a few years now, yeah. and it's the only cream really that keeps it at bay... Um, and, and I've got it in the corners of my eyes, but yes. I, I go swimming every day and the salt water seems to help it okay. um, because it, it really irritates my sight. Oh, it's course. like having sleep in your eyes all day. Right. Look, just, just in finalising, what I would say is this, that one of the first uh, preparations topically that I ever used for helping people with psoriasis, and keep in mind psoriasis is a stubborn, intractable condition, not easy to treat, in my opinion, medically or naturopathically. But the herb chickweed, the herb chickweed, believe it or not, was the first preparation that I turned into an ointment and a cream with a dear colleague of mine, Robin Kirby, who subsequently became the president, the first female president of the National Herbalist Association of Australia. Now, chickweed, which is, which is a herb we feed to our canaries, uh, it wouldn't be round presently because it's a cool climate uh, herb, but in a couple of months' time you'll find chickweed coming up in your garden with a little white flower. Now, chickweed, believe it or not, is referred to in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983 specifically as a topical application for psoriasis. And I saw some very, very good results uh, with psoriasis. To give an example, I treated a young lad in Church Street just before the earthquake who had a very large plaque of psoriasis all over his body. And his mother brought him in to see me. And um, even though I prescribed oral medication... Uh, I also prescribed uh, oil of chickweed, which I had manufactured myself from the raw herb uh, and macerated in olive oil, and I gave that to his dear mother. And I said, look, we'll see the child again in a month. In a month's time, his father brought him in, and uh, a bit jubilant, and I said, how's the little boy's psoriasis? He said, look, you're not going to believe this, but it's gone. I said, oh, well, I said, it must have been the medication that helped. Oh, he said, we didn't give him the medication. He wouldn't take it. We just used the chickweed oil. So for what it's worth, think of chickweed oil. You can make it yourself. It's, it's harmless. It's readily available, but you might have to wait till the cool weather comes before you can get the herb. Oh, that's excellent. Mm. Um, so when you make an oil, do you yeah. use some kind of yeah. vegetable what, oil? A, 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 what's called an infused oil. Uh, again, it's a pharmacopoeial way of making a preparation. All one does is get the, the crude herb, and we call it macerate, which is the technical term for, for soaking the herb in the oil for a specific period of time. And then after a, a specific period of time, usually a week or two, after leaving the herb in a warm spot, you pour the oil off, leaving the mark, as we call it, behind, which is the, 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 the herbal residue, and you've got a clear... Uh, clear oil, which it becomes the infused oil of chickweed. And I still use it occasionally, have a little bit of it in stock, but people can, again, can make it up. And this is the point I'm trying to get over in these last hours of my professional life, that a lot of the things that we talk about, years ago people did themselves. And the problem, as I see it today, is a lot of these simple things have been taken up and turned into costly pharmaceuticals. From Toronto and turmeric, you've got a comment on that or a question, Bev. 
Uh, yes, I have a comment. Um, I, my husband and I have been on Tumigol since I found it on the internet, so three years back. Yes. And um, it's, it's helped him with the Alzheimer's. And yes. I asked my nutritional doctor in Sydney, um, was that a good thing? He said yes, because the um, turmeric, it's turned into um, ketones, I believe, and carried from the liver in the blood to the brain, mm. and it's accepted by the brain as uh, food, as after a time the brain cells lose the ability to extract the um, glucagon from the from the blood, yes. and that's why they start to, to die. Um, so he's been on that, and he's been keeping really well, yes. along with the pregnenolone. Yes. And um, uh, that's the hormone. And also we've got um, a, the brain and memory boost, yes. uh, which has the ginkgo biloba in it. Yes. And uh, he's having a dessert spoon or two of uh, coconut oil per day. No wonder he's doing so well. You're doing a good job there. Remarkable. (laughs) You're doing a a great job. I think uh, you'll probably get employed by a pharmacist somewhere. You You seem to have a good grasp of it. But look, it might interest you to know, it might interest you to know that what you have said it has been, has been recognised. The two writers, uh, Bellevue and Gingras, the two PhDs who wrote the book I've been referring to this morning, in their comments, in their comments on the regular use of turmeric, point out that India, for instance, has the world's lowest rate of Alzheimer's disease. Now that's, that's in their text. Now what that means, of course, is that the diet of that subcontinent is very, very much laced with the regular ingestion of turmeric, whether it be in curry or other forms. And what you have said there and what your good doctor has told you has been noted. And as I come back to the point, Alzheimer's disease is minimally experienced in India and I suspect other countries where this herb is used at the level that you've been using it or at the level that's in their diet. I applaud you. Well done. Excellent. Keep up the good work, Bev. Now, um, on yes, we're going to Don now at New Lambton, and uh, you've got a question for Dennis about uh, essential tremor hemp oil. Is that right, Don? Yes, that's right. Good afternoon. How are you? Hello, Don. How can we help you, Don? Uh, Dennis, some time ago I actually came to see you yes. regarding a, um, a, uh, an essential tremor yes. and you were quite up front and said that you weren't sure that anything you could do yes. would help me and not yes. that you'd give me something to try, which, yes, didn't help me. However, recently I've obtained some hemp oil and I've been um, using a bit of that in a little spray bottle thing. Mm-hmm. And I have this feeling it may have a slight beneficial effect. I'm just wondering if you'd heard anything about it, if you um, know anything about that sort of thing. Well, look, um, hemp oil or cannabis oil uh, seems to be something that is being used accelerating.ly by people. Um, I know a fair bit about the uh, pharmacology of cannabis sativa and know a fair bit about the way in which it was used uh, fairly popularly in medicine um, in previous eras, up, I would suspect up until the Second World War, with things like tincture of cannabis and extract of cannabis were called up in some of the pharmacopoeias for various conditions. Uh, I am familiar with the way also in which it has been used medically in other countries uh, to address 
certain states, uh, mental states, um, depression and things like that. Um, it seems to be being used, particularly in Newcastle, acceleratingly to address a lot of conditions that uh, seem to be associated with improvement in the patient's immune system. Um, I've, had, I've had one patient uh, present to me, um, and I have no reason to doubt what the dear lady told me, no reason at all, that she had been radiologically shown to be free of her cancer, and she could only put that down to the fact that she'd been using cannabis oil. Now, I just repeat what I've heard. I'm not supporting it. Obviously, one has to be careful in what one says. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if there were some uh, benefit, even though you're using this as a spray and, uh, on, on the skin. There may be some uptake of the actives from it, which could have a neurological benefit. It's conceivable. Um, or, of course, it could be purely... Um, something that is is transitory um, I would suggest that if you're getting benefit from it there's nothing out there that I'm aware of in the natural world that can um, harmlessly uh, address this problem um, have you run it past your doctor? Uh, no I haven't done that probably because I only see my doctor about once every hundred years but okay. Still, yeah, okay. Um, that's, that's, been, okay. Yeah, look, when I say I've been using it I've been spraying it on my inner so what you're actually saying there, you're not using it as a dermal preparation, you're using it as oral medication, and it is correct, the mucosa of the mouth is very, very uh, receptive um, to, uh, to, to medication, even in minute dosages. That's why homeopathic and biochemic medicine always suggests that the medication be uh, dissolved um, in, in the mouth rather than swallowed. Look, again, on that basis, you are probably receiving uh, a degree of pharmacological effect by an uptake of some of the chemistry of that well-known substance. Now, um, I can't say anything other than that. I'm one of these people who have no problem at all in saying that um, cannabis has a role in the practice of medicine and cannabis can achieve a lot of benefits in my opinion from my study uh, which unfortunately at this stage are not uh, experienced or known about i wait for the day when it will become overtly legal when your experience along with others uh, might be a benefit i happen to know and i'll conclude on this and sometimes listeners get distressed when they hear me uh, talking about cannabis because they think that uh, I'm a dope smoker or something like that. I'm certainly not, I can assure you. I've never used it that way. But I had a gentleman who came down from Tamworth to see me who, subsequent to undergoing a procedure to remove what's called a pheochromocytoma, in the old procedure where the abdomen was opened and a lot of movement of organs, he was left with a very, very bad uh, peripheral neuropathy which was very painful. His son suggested that he use some cannabis uh, and he had a dramatic amelioration, not cure of his symptoms. He was a very conservative rural gentleman and was reluctant to use it in the way that uh, he had been using it for obvious reasons. And he came down to me and said, are there other preparations of a more pharmaceutical nature that might be useful for me to use? I don't like using it the way I am. I said, I can't encourage you to use it. I can't dissuade you. But I was able to give him the formula from Martindale's Extra Pharmacopoeia, where what's called tincture cannabis sativa is called up. What he did with it, I'm not sure, but he left very happily.
And thank you for your call. Now, I think we've probably just got time for one more, Dennis, a quick one. Andrew rang in from Maitland. He's not on the line, but he's got a condition called, you probably know this, pityuritis rosea. Rosea, yes. Do you have any thoughts? Look, it's a skin condition. Um, How long have you had it for, Andrew? No, we haven't got Andrew on the line. He just just rang in. Look, it's not an easy condition to treat, and it tends to be self-limiting. I... um, don't know what your um, doctor is suggesting, but it might be useful. It might be useful to try a cream called the GA cream, which is based on an extract of licorice. So um, we're getting towards the end, but we've still got a minute. A minute? That all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've been going flat out. Look, I just want to say to listeners, um, this dear lady who sent in this information on, on turmeric, uh, sent in the the recipe, if we call it that, for what's called golden paste. And this is a lovely way of using turmeric with a little bit of black pepper uh, with some coconut oil to make a paste which can become part of your cooking, blended into your soups, etc. Now, the recipe uh, can be obtained on, online if you contact or, or if you get online and punch in www www.turmericlife.com.au I'll say that again, I was too hurried. www.turmericlife, all one word in lowercase, .com.au That will give you the recipe, the simple recipe for making up what's called golden paste. And thank you again, Janet for forwarding this in. I'm sure the listeners will be very appreciative. And that website link will be on uh, the 2 link as well. Page, the Health Naturally page. You'll be able to listen to this program. Health Naturally. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Thank you, Jane. Back again next Friday on 2 Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2 at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.